With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And then there were two. Brady does it again. The Eagles soar at the link. Hank and I will talk about the NFL uh, Conference Championships. We'll also talk about a lot of stuff happening in NBA. Jason Kidd is out. And we're going to talk about it here on RSG One Mic. This thing right here is for my people's in the Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon dropped. Yes, yes, yes. Today, one Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then people talk a lot about this kind of Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Welcome to RSG One Mic. Myself, Hank, and all hosts are brought to you by Carbonwell Health, uh, our uh, complete solution for fitness, health, beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guys sent you. Uh, if you want to connect with us at Real Sports Guys on all our platforms, uh, just go to uh, all your social media platforms and type in Real Sports Guys. Connect with us. We're on Twitter. We're on IG. We're on Facebook. Uh, I'm at RSG, D-Wills, D-W-I-L-S, on all platforms, love to connect with you. Um, come with it, or you know, if you come a little, a little slow, we'll hit you with the dog. You know, we, you know, we got cocaine, and uh, he'll growl on you if you come wrong. And then there were two. We're going to talk about the NFL, NFL uh, conference championship. Um, we're going to begin with a little bit of uh, uh, NBA talk uh, here uh, at the beginning, but uh, before we uh, get into that freestyle mix. I got to bring my, my, my partner, uh, the man that's in the pick and roll with me, my man, Hank Davis. How you doing, Hank? I'm doing good, D. You know, again, another wonderful evening to be here, to be able to talk a little bit of sports, to really be able to break it down, and to be able to really 
be excited about the things that's on the hardwood, that's on the field, that's on the ice, wherever you're talking about. And, D, unlike the government, we never shut down. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They can't. We we're not gonna run the we, we uh, uh the, the government kind of like you know Trump is kind of like uh running running them counter plays. He gets you going the one way and come back with the counter trade the other way on you, and he's trying to take it to the house. They don't know what to do here. He bobbing and weaving and and doing all kinds of craziness. I've been watching that, but you know no here, you can count on us. We're gonna be here. We're gonna bring it to you. We're gonna bring it to you in all formats. And so uh, if you haven't checked it out, we already hit it with a little big show, Marcus and uh. Myself and um, uh, uh, Phil made our, our 2018 debut. You got to check it out. It was a hot one. Uh, we'll have a take uh, from uh, Marcus here on the show. We'll play uh, some things here for uh, to kind of give you a little taste of that. Uh, you can check that out. And, uh, you know, one mic we're here. We usually go deep on one topic on this show. Um, we'll open up with kind of a, a little free flowing, and then we'll, we'll dig in for a majority of the podcast on, on one topic. Um, and then uh, our big show is kind of like, the uh, the uh, 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 faculty seminar in the barbershop. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what Mark is going to say. You never know how Phil going to come at you. Uh, we might, we'll hit multiple topics you on that show. And then uh, we got inside the park with Hank. You know, he'll hit you with that baseball straight in the head. You know, we're just not going to talk analytics. He's going he gonna to get to the heart and soul of baseball. Um, and then we have uh, hustle and flows. You know, that's the intersection between hip hop and, and sports um, so we, you know, we never shut down. Like Hank said, we just never shut down. Uh, check out Seku and his, uh, his, uh, hip hop, uh, uh, review for 2000 and, uh, in, uh, uh, 17, uh, on our uh, website at RSG, um, at real So, you know, like Hank said, we never shut down. We don't have to bring committee. We don't have to caucus. We don't have to do all that. We just cut, we just hit you straight to the head. So, Hey, that's right. How have you been since the last time we? I, I, I saw you. I know there's been a lot happening in sports. We're going to do a little NBA uh, 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 around the world in the NBA little thing we're going to do here in a freestyle. But, you know, what have been some things that just kind of excited you over the past week? Listen, you know what? It's been a bittersweet week, D. Mm. Bittersweet. Let me tell you why. You know, uh, in two weeks, man, in two weeks, that'll be it for football for a little while. Yeah. You know, and see, I, I'm I'm geekly when it comes to this. You know, mm. the gridiron, I'm a gridiron geek, man. I don't mind saying it. I don't want to go to rehab for it. I am. I got a <laughs> smile on my face. You know, I am football drunk, you know, and I love it. All right? I'm right there in the gutter with the rest of them football drunks. And this is sad because I've got to go on uh, uh, involuntary uh, football celibacy, if you will, over the next several months because – it's going to be gone. But, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit excited about what we saw yesterday, uh, what's coming up, uh, what we're going to talk about when it comes to the GOAT and what people need to get off of some stuff. I'm going to talk about that when we get into it. They want to talk about the referees and everything, but I'm going to spend a little something on you when we get to that because it don't make sense to me. It don't make sense to me at all. But, you know, it's just that – it gets to this time of the year, man, and it's like, dang. Then you go back and see, is there any games out there that that they replaying or stuff that that because you you can't you just can't you just can't put it down, D. You just can't put it down, mm-hmm. you know. And and college football I was able to say, okay, I can roll right into the playoffs, but then I would be wrong and I would be remiss if I didn't tell everybody that look, don't just hold still, hold fast. 
because you smell that? You smell that? You know what that is? That's the smell of spring, baby. And you know what happens. Pitchers and catchers, they start to report in, in less than three weeks. So I can't wait. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to kick it off. We're going to get right into it. Uh, we're going to take a trip around the NBA here in our uh, open mic freestyle session we're going to have here. And uh, the Bucks let Jason Kidd go. Now, people have to understand, Jason Kidd came to the Bucks coming out of kind of a crazy situation in New Jersey. If you think about it, right after uh, Jason Kidd retired, he gets hired as a Nets coach. That was controversial. You had people like Patrick Ewing. Um, you had uh, a number of cats who had been coaching for a long time, ex-players who hadn't even gotten a shot yet. And then Jason Kidd kind of walks off the court into a job. And you have to argue, like, early on in that in, – I mean, his, his stint over there, they they had a decent run. I mean, he's, I think he surprised a lot of folks with what he did uh, with that team and showed that he had some ability. But he he wanted to have more control in the renegotiation, and they weren't willing to do that. And so his his friend uh, – was it Mark Lazary or was a, a, a co-owner over at the uh, – with the Bucks, uh, someone he knew – um, uh, was uh, they're looking for a new coach and have permission for, ask permission for him to interview, and he interviews and gets the job, and now he's gone. Hey, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Hank. What's your reaction? You know what? I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. Um, you got a coach. See, sometimes you represent your your um. Your reputation, you know, precedes you. And Jason Kidd, th- this is one thing you got to watch about the NBA, D, is when you get these well-traveled coaches, they're not going to stay anywhere anytime soon unless they get into some sort of instant success. And everybody feels like that they got to get in the top eight. Um, and if not, then at least they got to be buddy-buddy with something. I don't – I never, ever – you know, since that with Jason Kidd, even back when he was successful with the Nets, you know, when he was coaching the Nets, and all of a sudden, all they're, they're, here come the Nets that, that that came out of nowhere. Um, I think he gets instant results. I think he's an old school style coach, okay. And I think a lot of things that he teaches, if you watch the, the way his teams play, you know, uh, he teaches his teams to play the way they did when he was with the Mavericks and when he was with Phoenix, you know play physical on defense, get the ball, push the ball down the floor, you know. And this is a new NBA we're watching, okay. This is a new NBA where a lot of these teams don't want to play a whole lot of defense, all right. And Jason tries to teach playoff basketball from day one. He reminds me like, like a lot of like Carlisle when he was with Detroit and then with Dallas, and with Dallas you know. And that just don't play sometimes. And then uh, it looks to me, you know, just, just watching how his teams – you know, operate. He's a coach that don't like to take any nights off. And you look at the record right now with the with the uh, Bucks. They're eight, uh, but I think they're two games under five hundred right now. And I I don't know that they're a young talented team, uh, but you, you're talking about a, a, an NBA that's not like the NBA of old. And I don't know uh, if if he didn't ruffle some feathers over there. He gets results, but he also says what's on his mind. And sometimes when you're talking about some of these ownership groups, you just can't do that, especially when you're the coach of a team that 
you know, it's not close to, to, to championship caliber. You just don't have a whole lot of patience for that. This isn't the first time it's happened to him. Uh, he's proven his worth pretty much everywhere he goes in a, in a quick time. But he kind of reminds me, in a, in, in a lesser sense, of Jim Harbaugh in that uh, he, he wears out his welcome pretty fast <laughs> in the whole game. You know where he he gets results, but you got you got to be patient with him. And, and a lot of and what I've seen is a lot of these franchises just aren't patient with him. And that, I mean it's real interesting. I mean some of the reports I was looking at an um, article out of the Washington Post um, said that he you know he wasn't getting along as much with Jabari Parker. Um, that um, he was really pushing management to make some moves. He just felt like they didn't have enough veterans. Um, enough veterans in the locker room had a lot of youth um, as well. And so he seemed like someone who was really pushing and demanding. And, you know, that's part of it. I know you and I in preparation for the show. Um, one of the things I talked to you about is you, what can a city like Milwaukee expect? I mean, I think one of the things, you know, I, I think about him, I see him as a Jerry Sloan type, right? Utah rolled with it. You know, you get your, it sounds like Giannis was ready to go back, go to management to, to uh on his behalf so it sounded like the star really liked him right. and and when you're trying to keep your star that's important and uh you know having someone uh that it sounded like Giannis got along with um you dismiss when you're trying to build a culture I know you opened up a new stadium but you're trying to build a culture you're trying to have continuity you know you're not like a destination spot and so you know you got some young stars your team is building you know, maybe you don't have as many wins as you want, but, you know, how do you build a culture? Because continuity is everything. And before Jason was there, I mean, y'all were having some decent runs, but he's definitely someone who who can attract players. You know, these players, he's not, he hasn't been away from the game that long enough that they don't know him. And um, they they seem like they play. And so they, they battled, they, you know, they, they've made a playoff run. You know, he's playing without Jabari Parker. So he's really playing about, without your, probably your number two player. Um, and you're sitting there at the eighth spot. He's about to come back. Maybe you can move up to the sixth spot. Maybe you can move up to a point where uh, you might get a bye. But I felt like they were gonna they're gonna try to let him play it out. But when you think about a city like Milwaukee, I mean, what's my big thing about small markets? What hey, what can they expect? You know, what what should be the approach for a, what I what I'll consider a small market in the NBA? Well, see, that's the thing you're talking about right there, and so. When you're a Milwaukee Bucks and you look at how they drafted, you look at some of the young players you talk about that they have, I think they probably parallel themselves a lot with Philadelphia, okay? But Philadelphia was putrid for a long time, and they just got them a couple of lottery picks, and now, you know, they're slightly better than what you see uh, in in Milwaukee. But when you look at those two destinations, where would you rather be, Milwaukee or Philadelphia? They lose there, too. You're absolutely right. What they are, though, is a historic franchise in the NBA, okay? That's the team of Lou Alcindor. That's the team of, um, of uh, you know who I'm talking about, the, the, the triple-double champion. Um, uh, and and this, this is the team that, that they think that they're still laying upon tradition there, okay? They figure they should at least be one of the top five teams in the East, all right, just based upon that. And so uh, Oscar Robinson, who was I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, so this is this is where I think they a lot of these teams are still delusional based upon their history. Um, the Sydney Moncriefs and the type, you know, 
and and that that kind of lends to not a whole lot of patience. Another thing you also want to look at too, D, that uh, that 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 you just kind of want to throw in there is the all of a sudden decline of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the infighting and the domestic dispute that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's causing a lot of these teams that maybe feel like they've got a shot. All right, but the NBA is a long season, and mm-hmm. if you the thing that I would question uh, from the Bucks organization is that you got a coach that knows how to get a team to the playoffs, and you cut him loose in the late in January. Uh, what are you what are, what are you saying? What are you saying to your team? What are you saying to your fan base? Because at least if he you you let him make that run, unless he just really really piss somebody off in the front office. You you, you have to think that, that, to me, that's where I would go with that. It just seems like uh, you got a coach that can at least make a run and you make this move, it kind of it's kind of like two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, it sounds like I give it to the top assistant, uh, Joe Prunty, Prunty, sorry, the Prunty, trying to get the name correct. Um, and so, at a time when you, like you said, making a uh, making a run, you got your second player coming back. It feels like a Carlisle. You know, when Carlisle left Detroit, many of us are like, "What's going on?" I mean, Carlisle from the outside looking in was like, "Okay, this guy has it together." Um, you, you, you have uh, Indiana, you have issues at Indiana. Then he kind of settles in at Dallas. Somehow they find a the right mix. You know, he and he gets a run and uh, makes a run, and they win the title. It's, it feels like. You knew, you know, even though Jason was having success, you knew you were getting a young coach. You were going to get some guy who's trying to figure his way out through the thing. So why couldn't you commit? But you also have somebody with a little bit of star power. Um, And unless it was the star player going to the front office like, this guy's killing me, you know, I can't see a reason for them to move even just for Jabari. You know, given that Jabari's coming back, I mean, Jabari's got to prove himself. So, uh, it's it, I think it was some front office folks who just, you know, felt like in and maybe had the ear of ownership, um, you know, because they made some good drafts. Um, is it, you know, uh, you know, Thad Maker hasn't been as uh, good this year um, as the uh, previous year, but I, I think they're they're making some progress. And so, like you said, it's a long season. There's a lot can happen on the second half. Of it, you know, it was Jason who had who had Giannis moving and playing more points, you know, showed that part of his game, you know, and right. so that innovation part of it is imp- is important, and all Giannis is really trying to o- add to his game now is the outside game, and so there's a lot of pieces here that um, uh, I, I think were still there there to be developed, and so we're, we're gonna keep an eye on it. You know, it's interesting because I don't know if Jason Kidd is going to be out too long. Um, I think I think there's going to be another owner who's kind of likes what they saw with him over his work, given you know he's early in his coaching career. I got a sense that he might find himself in another job. You know, maybe go and do what Mark Jackson's done, be an analyst and stuff. You know, maybe that's a place where Mark Jackson can settle in. Mark Jackson has done a good job with young teams, but you know, maybe you know Milwaukee doesn't want somebody with a dominating personality in either, so they might not go with him, or maybe. The Fisdale, now that Fisdale is fired, that might have that might have triggered this. Where they, I bet you, he might end up in Milwaukee. You put him with that team, uh, there could be some things happening uh, with it. Maybe that's probably what triggered it. You see that guy, a guy like that out there available, you're like, hey, let's go get him right now. 
And so that, you know, that timing of this might be, might coincide the fact that this, he's, he's available. And maybe that's somebody they want to talk to at the end of the season who uh, comes, who signed off by a lot of superstars. A lot of people like him uh, as a coach. So continuing on this kind of game thing, on the big show uh, with Marcus and, uh, uh, and Phil, we spent a lot of time talking about the Cavs. And I said, I, I really want to hear, talk to Hank about this. But, you know, one of the questions that was asked about was Tyloo, the coach. And before we get into our conversation, let's listen to how Marcus addressed Tyloo, which I thought he really did a good job of kind of breaking this down. Yeah. Is he the right guy as a coach? Yeah. Oh. I'm just asking. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I, I don't have any sort of like predetermined thing to say. I'm just asking a question. Like, how much of a role, or like sometimes if you're not helping, you hurting. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain times where you have to move the needle, and you can't just be in neutral. And is Ty Lue sitting in neutral when he needs to be moving the needle, and he's not moving the needle any direction, um, but definitely not in a forward and is that a good thing or a bad thing is he the right guy for this um because the reason i ask ah. is everybody touted jay crowder coming there as uh the main get right in this um in the trade the Kyrie trade um and i just i haven't seen it i just haven't seen him not playing well you know what I mean? Contributing in the way that you would think he would contribute. And is that is that Crowder? Is that his role? Is that what he's being asked to do? You know what I mean? And how in relation to how he fits in with the team? Has that been defined for him? I'm sure something's been defined for him, but is it the right role that's been defined for him? You know what I mean? And that's on Ty Lue. Um When you go back to developing guys for their roles, like – that's on Tyloo and his staff. Like, are you are you getting the best out of what you got? You don't have a question that Pop is doing that. You don't have a question that Kerr is doing that. There's no question that Brad Stevens is doing that. And these are your main competitors, right? So, are you is Tyloo getting like when a guy goes and plays for Tyloo? Do you ever see that guy play his best basketball of his career? Other than LeBron James. To this point, we cannot say and maybe Kyrie. I mean, but then you got to compare Kyrie in Cleveland to Kyrie in Boston. And is he playing better in Boston? Is he playing better in Cleveland? That's up for debate. But there hasn't been a dude that has come in, played for Ty Lue, and everybody's been like, yo, Ty Lue turned that dude's life around. And so that's the game changer on our uh, most recent podcast. Make sure you can uh, check it out on iTunes. Just search Real Sports Guys. Um, you'll see uh, that segment when we're talking about Cleveland. Hank, I think, you know, he, he raised some legitimate issues. And I hate to say this, but he, he's raised some legitimate issues. What are some of your thoughts uh, as we talk about Cleveland? And you mentioned, you know, everybody looking and seeing some of the issues with Cleveland right now and, it, you know, some of the stuff is not same old LeBron teams kind of having the lull. You see some real structural and some other issues that can be some longstanding issues in Cleveland um, that could get cleaned up. But, you know, there's there's much more concern. Um, what, do you, what do you think about what Game Changer said about 
Ty Lue. You know what? This is there. This isn't the same Cleveland Cavaliers team that made it to the finals last year. People need to understand that. Okay, you've got some of the same cast of characters, but yeah, but I, I recall us having this conversation about Ty Lue when he took over for David Black. You know that this was a hand-picked coach by LeBron James to do LeBron James bidding. All right that the great LeBron James was making all of these calls. And because that team was on such a high and Kyrie Irving played such a pivotal role in that team winning its first and only championship, that now that player is now gone. If you recall that team, um, the reason why David Black got fired was because of some things that he would not do uh, the year before when they got beat by Golden State which which uh, got his exit and then brought in Ty Lue. And then Ty Lue goes on and wins the championship because he did some things which, depending on who you talk to, uh, that uh, LeBron James suggested or demanded they worked, they won a title. A lot of the offense, though, even though uh, LeBron played great in that title, in that, in that finals, Kyrie Irving was a beast. Now here we are again. Okay, uh, a few years later, uh, second year with Ty Lue. Um, and what you see now, third year rather with Ty Lue, and now you have a different team. You don't have the Kyries there. Uh, you don't have some of those bench players there. You made some moves on this team. You bring in, and here's the piece I don't know if I talk about. You bring in uh, Dwayne Wade. Bring in some guys that now, uh, that locker room is different, D. That locker room is different. Uh, Ty Lue knows how to run a practice because he was assistant coach. He knows how to do that, okay? So I'm not saying that the man is in, is incompetent. But you have to ask yourself, you got some you got some heavy hitters in that locker room that's done it already before, okay? you got a Dwayne Wade who is aging, and you got uh, Isaiah Thomas who was hurt. you got a different locker room in there. Now you have Ty Lue that now have some seasoned veterans not just one in LeBron James, but now you've got a couple who are used to running teams, especially with Dwayne Wade. We don't know what that dynamic is doing to that locker room, okay? But we do know that it is impacting what's going on on the floor, all right? Uh, you, you you had Spolstra when you was in Miami, but you also had the specter of, of Pat Riley there, Okay. So that was going to keep things in check. You don't have that in Cleveland, okay? You don't have that in Cleveland. Uh, you have teams right now that's gone that 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 has gone to the finals now three years in a row. They don't have a whole lot to really uh, concern themselves with in the regular season. So a lot of this foolishness is coming out. The question you have to ask yourself, though, going forward about Ty Lue, is how does he handle these? Superstar veterans, not just the one. You had the Batman and Robin when you had Kyrie and LeBron. You don't really have that right now. You've got the Justice League, if you will, when you're talking about these two guys, when you're talking about Wade and you're talking about LeBron, because they both have done it, okay, uh, collectively. And with Wade, he's done it on his own. That creates a dynamic in the locker room that's going to be a problem, okay? And a lot of people don't understand when you think about 
some of your coaches. We just started talking about these coaches that know how to command a room. You're talking about your Pat Rallies. You talked about your Chuck Daly's. You talked about uh, Phil Jackson. You talk about Sloan. You're talking about Pop. You're talking about all these coaches that, first and foremost, there is no question who the man in charge is, okay? There's no question of that. I would contend that you got an issue with that in Cleveland. Yeah, I think you're hitting on it. And part of it is I think in the run that Ty Lue had, he made some really good moves. I think some of the stuff that he did um, in terms of uh, making some decisions about uh, how he played uh, Shrump and how he played uh, uh, JR in some spots and how they featured, um, you know, um, you know, how they brought some guys off the bench uh, as well in some of the matchups. I, I think he made some good moves. I think what people missed last year is that they went a long stint, at least half that season towards the end of the year without J.R. Smith. He went through a lot of personal stuff plus injury. You remember he held out at the beginning of the year. And I think that really affected their continuity down the stretch. And they didn't get enough games with J.R., going in uh, to the playoffs. I mean, even in one of the, uh, the closeout games, I mean, J.R. finally broke out. But it seems like J.R. has not really even, you know, has not recovered from last year. And he's a key, to me, a key piece because he's the most versatile of the versatile piece they got, uh, especially after losing Kyrie, where J.R., when he was on top of his game, could do it on the, uh, the defensive end and the offensive end. I mean, he had really last year picked himself up defensively. Um I think one of the things we talked about on, on the other podcast is in which helps a coach like Tyree and you seeing some of this stuff out LA with the Clippers, when you have a GM who just doesn't bring you retread parts, but they bring you uh, on, they bring you some diamond in the roughs. They create space where you can use um, some of your young talent that you, um, that you acquired. If you look at golden state, the number of young guys who are also contributing um, on that second unit. Um, you don't see some of that young guys. And some of that's part of, we just talked about this with Jason Kidd. I think this is an issue with LeBron is this whole idea of, you know, him believing and trusting in veterans. And, you know, that's part of that Pat Riley school sometimes and not allowing some, you know, trusting some of these young guys can help you. And like you said, you know, when you have a veteran coach or at least a voice or even a GM who can come down and be the mediator and say, look, you got to let Ty get this guy in because you need some of this young talent to go, you know, not having even somebody in the front office who could be part of that discussion along with LeBron, I think is part of it. And, and, and part of that is the LeBron business model now where, you know, he does this, you know, these two year deals, you know, the second year is the option and some of that stuff that kind of is smart because of, you know, given he and the owner's history, you know, and, and not really trusting it, but not having Griffith, there to mediate help out and do that that loss of that veteran gm i think is is crucial here because i think lebron needs young people he can trust and he's got they drafted a couple nice guards they've done some stuff but none of those guys are getting ticked because when you bring a guy like d way you bring some of these veterans on you're not bringing them not to play and so i think you're right i think it's you you almost you know you can't hamstrung someone like ty Lu with some of the, the pieces you put in the locker room. And so it, it's hard to even manage some of those pieces. I think he does have a bright future, but I just think he's, you know, this situation, given LeBron's short-term deals, this win-now kind of mentality, I think kind of hamstrung someone like uh, like, like Ty Lue. And so 
the mistake they might make is letting him go and, and watching him flourish as a coach somewhere else, um, uh, which is which could be a mistake. But he made enough nice moves in in that playoff run to win that championship. Tell me he's got something there, but you're not giving him any pieces. You're giving him a lot of stuff that's hard to win with. Um, and without let without bringing some young pieces in and being innovative and catching some pieces where people aren't seeing on the way up, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a problem. I don't know if that's enough to save him though. You know what I'm saying? At some point it's the narrative. People pay whatever narrative. I mean, they paid enough narrative to get that GM who was, who, who was the executive year. Now he's not their GM anymore. You know, so you don't know where this franchise is going. They're holding on, uh, to that pick that they got in the trade. Um, you don't know where that pick is going to end up. Uh, it, it could be anywhere. It's probably going to end up in that seven, eight slot. Um, do you move that pick now? But, you know, if I'm, if I'm Cavs being responsible, I'm not moving that pick not knowing where LeBron's going. I got to get something. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things that's holding them hostage that's not holding Celtics hostage. It's not holding Golden State hostage. It's not holding Houston hostage. It's not holding some of these competitors that they got. None of them are held hostage by this same stuff that Cleveland appears to be held hostage. The only person who can really solve that and even help Ty Lue is LeBron. But he's not going to show his hand. So it becomes a very difficult kind of thing. What you can hope is these cats get some rest on this all-star break, get rejuvenated, and find a way to get some some – he has to figure out how to build a second unit. That's what he's got to do. Because the key, when I saw that series last year against Golden State, was that LeBron – needed about a five, six-minute period where somebody could hold something scoring while he rested. Because when he was in there, he was killing them. But he needed five to six minutes where he could get some rest and not lose a lead or gain a lead. So it seems like he's got that kind of offensive firepower. But once they all get healthy, Ty Lue has to figure out what that second unit is going to look like. And if he can get JR JR to coexist in that second unit, if he can get some of those guys like Crowder to really build him a nice – second unit where they can score and do some defensive stuff, then I think he's going to be in good shape, but he hasn't had him healthy enough and you don't get the chance to practice, you know, um, during a regular season, you know, he's going to need to figure out that through game stuff, um, you know, in the second half when all these guys are healthy and he can really play with the lineups, but we'll see. We'll kind of watch where that's, where that's going. We kind of see how things are, are happening with that. Um, you're listening to uh, RSG One Mike, uh, one of our key uh, uh, podcasts on the Real Sports Guys platform. Uh, go check us out at uh, realsportsguys.com. Check out our other podcasts that we have going. It's myself, Devon Wilson, and Hank Davis. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about NBA. We're going, you know, we're taking a, a road trip around the NBA. W- one of the things that I wanted to to kind of hit in as we we start to head towards kind of All Star. Uh, uh, weekend is, you know, uh, they like some of these 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 power rankings, um, and you you look at a lot of different stuff and see who's what. Um, uh, they got Golden State at the top. They got Houston at number two. Um, uh, they got um, uh, Boston at three, Toronto at four, Minnesota at five, uh, San Antonio at six, uh, Oklahoma City at seven. Miami at eight, uh, uh, Washington uh, at uh, it's kind of a uh, uh, Washington at nine, Cleveland at ten. So they have Cleveland at ten, uh, Portland at eleven, 
and uh, the Pacers at 12 and then so on. There's some surprises just in this is uh, USA Today's power rankings. Um, they do this, but that when you look at that, that's kind of surprising. They got Cleveland bumped way down, but you know, you start looking at it. The team that we talked a little bit about was Toronto. They're playing a totally different style. You got DeRosa actually knocking down threes. Um, uh, uh, the kind of they didn't play in this kind of pace and space um, um, format. So you know, uh, uh, Casey's really <laughs> switched up, switched his style up. It's like he's like he's like fifty. You know, uh, you know, uh, they told me switch my style up. Somebody told him switch his style up. He switched his style up and it's paying off. You got Van Fred Van Fleet. You got uh, uh, Wright coming off the bench. Uh, you know, they got some stuff happening there. And then Minnesota's kind of waking up here lately. Um, they were, you know, start out kind of slow getting together. But when you when you look at the power rankings around that, kind of surprised they got San Antonio at six, given what we're hearing with Kawhi Leonard struggling coming back. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about San Antonio right now. I mean, they've been doing some really good stuff and winning. I just when I watch them, I'm I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Oklahoma City's been strong here in in uh, uh, in recent weeks. Uh, I think they've been trying to put stuff together. But when you look at that power rankings. You know what does that mean to you? What, what does that say about where we are right now at this point uh, in the NBA season? It says to me that uh, this is <laughs> to be blunt. This is to keep people interested in the NBA. Excuse me, in the NBA, going into the second half of the season, kind of let you know what the narrative is. As we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, D, <clears throat> that there's a lot of moving around, there's a lot of movement of a lot of players, and particular, in particular, when you're talking about um, uh, CP3 going to Houston, and now you see they got the, the, the number two team <clears throat> ranked, you know, up from four last last week. And Golden State being Golden State, um, but when you look at this, you have to ask yourself. Okay, let, in particular, look at what's going on in the East. All right, and, and it's really not so different if you look at it from last year. Where you got the Boston Celtics now; they're the number three team in this week's power rankings. They was the number one overall seed last year uh, going into the playoffs, and got their bells rung. Okay, by by Cleveland. Uh, you look at Toronto, who also was a team that, that we thought was going to make a run or, or at least challenge and got exposed in the playoffs again. You know, um, so th- I think what surprises me when I look at this is the Timberwolves. They're just quietly putting together a nice year. You know, this is another one of them young teams that they just kind of, you kind of oh by the way because you get so golden stated to death, you get so Houston to death. You get so enamored with the stars that's now in Oklahoma City. And then, lo and behold, they're little old Minnesota. And I watched Minnesota play. Minnesota's a very, very exciting basketball team, okay? They can raise some fits right now in the West. Now, am I saying to you they're going to beat uh, Golden State? Absolutely not. But they're going to be that team. You know, they kind of remind me of that team that you would kind of hoped that uh, the Clippers would be. When they had everybody there, that that you just looked for them to take that next step, but they for some reason they kept stubbing their own toe. You got to kind of watch Minnesota play. They they again they they are very very above the rim type of team, uh, very exciting to watch. But they're the ones that if I look at this that I kind of get excited about. Uh, and disappointing, I think I would have to say is is, is they got Washington at nine, but I kind of expected more out of Washington. 
You know, I thought that they would make a little bit more of a, of a, of a, of a bump. And also Philadelphia, with all that young talent they got over there, those kids have got to grow up at some point. You know, right now they're just they're just hovering around 500. And look, the East, you got a shot. You, you got a shot in the East. You know, I'm, they're, they're playing a little bit better, but you really want to see them start to take off. But, you know, I'm not surprised overall. You know, Golden State, again, is Golden State. Golden State and Houston is a fun they, they they could be a fun rivalry, but I still think Houston lacks a lot before. I think I think again it's Golden State to lose. Yeah, and I, and I think the team that's most disappointed with all the stuff they were talking about is the Wizards. Um, uh, they uh, are not where they need to be at this point. But I, I think oh, you're yeah. right. I think this is good conversation for mid. You know, when the, all the dust settles, you know, we'll probably look be seeing Cleveland and Golden State squaring off again. But Houston's interesting, I think, particularly with Chris Paul there, uh, particularly with them playing a, a greater emphasis on defense, uh, and, and the stars are buying in to the defensive side, and they're not really scared of Golden State. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they they uh, they put themselves together uh, down the stretch. And then there's some early matchups that could be could wear a team like Golden State down, even though they might win them. You know, or, you know, reduce the sweeps and having them play in some extra games because of that depth with a, with a team like Minnesota or the, the Clippers beginning to get their act together with Lou Williams out there. And as they get healthy and putting all the pieces together, um, OKC, OKC is going to battle. They might not win at all, but they can do some body damage. They can do some work and stretch you and make you battle to win that series that then could pay up later on. Um, and if Cleveland hits a note and just works their way through the East, you know, and is resting, uh, that could put some that could create some problems. So yeah, I think we're kind of early on this, but it's always interesting to see what the storylines are. Um, you know, uh, and can teams hold these styles in the playoffs? It's one way to play it one way, but when it starts getting tense, do you go back to what you know? You know, especially right. a team like Toronto that's playing this, you know, this way, and and you got DeRosa shooting these shoot a lot, which I think is really good. Knocking down threes, not really getting caught up in those in-between, uh, you know, intermediate jump shots, but hitting that jump shot, hitting that three-pointer, you know, also make, allowing him to play the game a little bit easier, getting some easier buckets because he's not working, spending so much energy that he can knock down a jump shot, knock down some stuff to really allow him to pace himself through the game. You know, that makes him a pretty tough uh, uh, cover and really opens up the game differently for them. So, but can that style continue when it really gets tense, or do you go back to what you know? And I think those are things that we're going to really pay attention to here uh, as we look at the NBA season. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go into the cipher. And then there were two. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 